0: Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your hosts, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Welcome to the end of February. Tomorrow, we march into spring. Yes, we do. That was all altogether lovely, wasn't it? Yes. You know, I heard this morning that someone said that we're in for it in March. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether or not that's coming from a reliable source or whether it's one of those situations where a bunch of good old boys are sitting around having coffee and they've talked each other up into a like a big sweat over it, like, oh, yeah, man, oh, yeah, I remember back in 69, This happened, same thing. We're going to get, the snow's coming, it's going to be bad. So we
1: can't even name the source that said we're in for it in March? No. So it's kind of like one of those people are saying it's going to be bad. people
0: are talking, yep. Ah, pish posh. And we're perpetuating, well, I'm perpetuating the the whole water cooler talk right here. Yep. Water cooler weather talk. You know what the Bible says? What is it? It says a lot of things. Where no wood is. The fire go without. You got that right. I'm about to throw some wood on the fire. And I figured. I mean, in my fire pit at home. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to sit out and enjoy it this evening. Right on. Anyway, so, uh, oh, are we on the air? We are. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> of course we knew that. We do welcome you back to today's edition of Daybreak Devotions as we continue our journey through Psalm 119. And I, I don't, let's see, if I do the math, there's 176 verses in this Psalm, so we're not quite at halfway point, are we? No, I, f- I think we are. Oh, we I counted, are. we've got 13, not counting today's, we have 13
1: sections left.
0: Oh, then we are at the halfway point then. Mm-hmm. There's 22, 22 sections altogether. So we're... We're over halfway. Yeah. Well, it's been a good journey. Today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72. 65 through 72. So those of you that are able to follow along with us, that's where we'll be looking today. Now... Um, I'm excited about this one because we're going to be dipping into not necessarily new territory, but we haven't been on this subject, at least to this level, because what I want us to see today is that the way of the devout heart is to learn how to see suffering as a means of strength. That is the essence in my review of these verses. That's the essence of what we can learn here. I know for me, verse 71 and, and you said earlier verse 67 as well, and I see how they go together. So let's read both of those. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. And verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And so I think the big takeaway, just bottom line up front, is that as we travel the way of the devout heart, we're trusting God's sovereignty and his grace and his providence and his mercy in all the things that we will experience in life and we're learning as we travel that suffering is our means to real strength and the
1: crucial role that the word of god plays in that you know we may not have said it in this series but we have said it in other times on this program but everybody suffers the entire world is full of suffering and and we go through trials and testings the word of God puts purpose behind our suffering. It makes it not just some kind of ra- random thing, but it brings to us, all right. There's reason behind this. There's goodness behind it. It's not just aimless suffering, but now it's purposeful suffering.
0: Well, to introduce this idea, and I know you've got a song lined up for us today, which we'll be glad to play because it speaks to this, this, this purpose in our suffering. But right before the song, let me just say, after I had finished studying through this uh, section of the psalm, I went back and wrote this at the top of my page here. Every believer needs a theology of suffering. Now, I don't know that that's a common understanding. I think to some degree we sort of get that because we all know, especially as Christians, we know the the valuable roles of, of, uh, of a funeral service. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know what it is to at least try to comfort one another when there's grief in a family or there's loss in a family and we know the value of being comforted in the right way but but is our theology of suffering sound enough that we could actually look at the trials we go through and understand what you just said i think what you just said
1: what did you just say it's not aimless suffering or ah, it's yes, not yes, thank purposeless
0: you. I knew you said something, but it's kind of like <laughs> Floyd said about Calvin Coolidge. You'd have never got to be president if you hadn't said something. <laughs> well, you know, it's early in the morning. Yes, it is. But uh, that's gold. That's gold. Anyway, uh, there there's a point to our suffering, and that's what we learn in the in the way of the devout heart. So I was thinking about this. I know I read from uh, Thomas Akempis, The Imitation of Christ, on yesterday's episode, but I wanted to read from it again. Here's what he says. In chapter 56, book 3, now, that's the whole book is divided up, so that's why I qualify it. Anybody looking for it out there? Yeah. Chapter 56 of book 3, Deny Self and Imitate Christ Carrying the Cross. And Here's the first line. My child, and so I should explain this. As he gets into this section of the book, he's writing as if there's a conversation between Christ and the believer. And so this is Christ speaking. My child you will be able to enter into me to the extent that you go out of yourself. So if you think about that, what is the purpose of our suffering? Is it not that we might learn to go out of ourselves and enter into Christ in a deeper way? Now let me put some Bible to that. So the Apostle Paul gives us the definitive New Testament text on that very idea when he begins to talk about, his own thorn in the flesh, which he had. Now, I, I don't want to read all of this for sake of time, but you to get the full context of it, you can start at chapter 12, verse 1. But just coming down to this part, and I know all of our listeners are going to know this text, right? He says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, in other words, the things that God had showed him, there was something brought to him to make him humble. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul goes on, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so that's the point of this. What I said earlier, we we learn to see suffering as a means to genuine strength. And that's what Kempis was trying to say, that we will only be able to enter into Christ to the extent that we learn to 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 come out of ourselves mm-hmm. in other words and so before we go back to psalm 119 we're going to read this from peter first peter chapter 4 verse 12 beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, that's what Paul was saying, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Which, I didn't read that verse, but in back in 2 Corinthians 12, after he said, he will most gladly, therefore, I'd rather glory in my infirmities. Verse 10, he says, therefore, I take pleasure. And, and while the song was playing, you brought up this point of we should talk about what we mean by suffering. Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities. That could be bodily sicknesses and weakness. Reproaches that is being, you know, cast, uh, slandered or or cast down by others' opinions, in necessities that is when I don't have everything that I would like to have and I'm having to do without. Like Paul talks about hunger and nakedness, in persecutions that's just flat outright being spoken evil of or beaten, and in distresses, distresses is a word that I memorized a long time ago. It. it most time when you read that word in the Bible, the, the most accurate interpretation is a tight spot, when you're in a mm-hmm. tight spot. And he says, I will take pleasure in all of these things, all these forms of suffering, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. And that's exactly what Peter is telling us. He says that it is in these things we are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, we may be glad also with exceeding joy. So when we think, when we talk about suffering to the point you were saying off when we were off air, we're not talking about that self-induced suffering where we're trying to prove ourselves as being good Christians. We're talking about the suffering that comes to us in life in a a world that is broken and dark and full of pain and death and loss. And when we go through those things, it is our opportunity to bring glory to God by suffering well with Christ.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a, It's a fork in the road. It's when these things come, we can handle them one of two ways. We can either, you know, wallow in despair, give in to grief, feel discouraged and despondent. Or we can do like what we're going to be talking about today, entering into these things, understanding, okay, Lord, this is not pleasant. I'm not necessarily enjoying this right now but I trust you that you have a plan through this, that you are going to bring me through to do a work in my life. And so I'm going to choose to enter into this with you so that I may in turn acquire more of you through this.
0: And Peter, Paul too, but Peter is particularly in that passage we read and in other places in 1 Peter, he he keeps reminding us, even in in chapter 4, verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So even there he brings out that point of that the suffering of our flesh will bring us into increasing holiness and sanctification. But the connection I was going to make is that he, he, he helps us see that our suffering matters and we make the most of our suffering when we suffer as in and with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if we look at how Jesus suffered and we bring it into our own realm, there are three things that I I had in my heart about suffering. I mentioned this, that we we, we were on the mission trip some years, so a couple of years ago, whatever it was, and I spoke at one of the mission churches out there and I talked about suffering. And Peter teaches us this and Jesus teaches us this. And Job teaches us this and Joseph teaches us this, okay? But there are three things that we do. It's, it's like a a progression of the suffering. If we want to suffer well for Christ, the first thing we have to do is we have to enter into the suffering. You have to enter the suffering. Now, that's a choice of faith because the very first thing most of us want to do when we are under affliction, as the psalmist uses the term, is we want to get out of it. We want to escape mm-hmm. the suffering. You know, hey, I got a headache. Can I give me a pill? And, and, again, I want to be clear, there are times where we need to medicate ourselves. I am not. A, <laughs> this isn't an anti-medication rant. But our natural human reaction is to escape the suffering. But to suffer for the glory of God is to enter into the suffering by choice. Think about Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. Then secondly, we embrace the suffering. Now, that's a whole other level right there. Because we're, we're talking about here graduate-level Christianity, not elementary stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've entered into the suffering as a choice of faith, but now I must embrace the suffering and how I embrace the suffering is I begin to look for the good. Think about Jesus and what it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. You know, we're told to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He looked beyond the suffering, he was looking for the good that would come of his suffering. Right. Now, I just wanted to, you know, I'm trying to think of the last time that I was you know, physically suffering or sick. Seems like it wasn't too long ago I was sick one day. But anyway, I got to tell you, I'm the world's worst at this. When I'm sick, you know, I, I don't, I have a hard time. I'll think about these things, but in the moment it feels very difficult to embrace that suffering. You know what I mean? Yes. A lot of times I have
1: found, and I'm sure everybody would agree, you never get sick at convenient times. You always get sick when, You've got something planned or you've got somewhere you need to be and and all of a sudden your stuff gets upended. And it's really hard to see, okay, Lord, what were you doing through this? What's the good that can come from this? Instead, it's like, oh man, now I'm gonna miss out on this. Now I'm gonna have to do this. Now I've got this hurdle and this obstacle. And you know, we can go negative and man, this is the most inconvenient time in the world for me to be sick, and it's easy to be so focused on the here and now that it's not our natural disposition to look and say, okay, Lord, what's what's the goodness that you are offering me in light of this major inconvenience?
0: And so we have to enter the suffering. We have to then embrace the suffering. And, you know, again, we've just expressed how difficult that can be in the moment. But I, I think what we are also expressing, and this will help the listener and help us, just the mere fact that when we are sick and we're not well and our hearts are turning to God, that is a way in which we can embrace the suffering, although we might not master that. Mm -hmm. But it's that third thing, which is exchanging the suffering. Okay, You enter the suffering, that's a choice of faith. You embrace the suffering by looking for the good, but then you exchange the suffering by receiving the, the glory that comes, or I should say in our case, the grace that comes right now after that. Both Paul and Peter said, when you go into that suffering, suffer with Jesus and understand that in your weakness, he will be made strong. In your suffering, he will provide grace. And so we, in that, we exchange that experience of suffering for the grace that comes to us. Now, Mm -hmm. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I don't experience that until the quote suffering portion is over but aren't you glad for God's gracious, his gracious mercy in our life, that even though we don't always get it right in the moment, uh, we're learning and he is always going to be gracious Absolutely. to us. Absolutely. And and Jesus did the same thing, right? He 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 endured the cross, despised the shame, and when he was resurrected, he exchanges the cross for the crown, as we've heard said many times. So now how do we suffer as a devout heart? That's what the psalmist is going to show us. So let's walk through these verses uh, for the remainder of our time. So, Here's what I want to say about the first thing that I see in this, verse 65 and 66. Let me read them. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. And I believe the very first thing that he is showing us here is that we have to anchor in on the goodness of God. When affliction comes in our life and suffering comes in our life, our great anchor is to remember that God is good. That's not a shallow thing. That's not a cliche thing, but to understand the goodness of God. It has to be more than a bumper sticker slogan in our life. This is a conviction that if we have, we'll hold our soul through the storm. And Job is a great example of that. When Job had all that happen to him in the early chapter 1, chapter 2 of the story, and even to the point of his wife questioning him and his integrity and why he didn't just give up and curse God and die, Job's response in Job 2.10 was, Thou speakest as one of the foolish woman speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all of this did not Job sin with his lips. Job was anchored in on this fact that no matter what happens in my life, God is good, and I can trust God, and what he does will be right. It makes me think of, uh, uh, was it Sammy Fry's song? Um, better than I deserve. We hear people say that all the time. How you doing? I'm better than I deserve. Sammy Fry wrote a song about that, better than I deserve, and it's true. That's what. It wasn't just a cliche for Job. He's like, you know what? This is awful, but if I got what I really deserve, this would be nothing. I I got a little
1: chuckle there because when you mentioned Sammy Fry, I thought you was getting ready to reference hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. That'll work too. Because he says God is good and he's good all the time and just, just hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. But to that larger point that that's part of that if we can remind ourselves of that on this side of the suffering god is good all the time god is always good everything he is nothing but good that helps to to give us that that start and that strength whenever the suffering does come because Rest assured, the enemy is going to throw everything he can at you. Be like, uh-huh, yeah, you've put your trust in this father. Well, look how look how he's treating you. Look, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve what he's bringing you through right now. What kind of a good God would do something like that? We need to understand that this is an unchanging principle that
0: God is good. I'm over here digging and flipping through these books because somewhere today I read something. It was a great statement, and I'm just going to have to paraphrase and say I don't know where it came from. But however it was written, it was written very well to say that if you, if you understood the things that you have not suffered or what you could have suffered or what others might be suffering that you're not even thinking about because you're so focused on yourself, you would rejoice mm-hmm. in the little bit of trouble and trial that you're having. And I know it never feels like that when you're in the middle of it, but that's perspective that's very yes. helpful. Anchor in on the goodness of God but it is an exercise of discipline. We do have to remember this. And that comes from the time that we will invest into God's word and connecting God's word with our life experience. You know, meditating on the scriptures and then learning to speak that truth over our life and in our life and that's mm-hmm. what you get out of uh, of this right here. He's saying, "Lord, You've been good to me. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. I believe your commandments. In other words, God, I know that you've done good for me, and I choose to believe you, and I ask you for understanding in all of this. And so I think it starts with how do we suffer well? How do we suffer into strength? We anchor in, we believe in the goodness of God. Number two, we have to accept any correction that God is trying to give us in this suffering. This is what he says in verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. He is acknowledging here that suffering has this ultimate end in mind that I will come out on the other side of this better than I was going into it. God is trying to change something or correct something in my life.
1: That's that constant course correction that we've been talking about all throughout the psalm. You know, sometimes it's, it's a spoken word. From the spirit, or it's something that we that we read that'll that'll jog our memory. But sometimes we do endure and go through things because this is another tool that God uses to draw us back to focus on Him.
0: i was just looking at the time. We're not going to get through all this today. But let me let me read this because this is this is important. First Peter again. Peter's such a excellent resource on suffer on suffering. First Peter chapter five verse six through eleven. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let me just insert right there, who better than Peter would understand that when Jesus said, Peter, Satan hath desired to sift thee. So listen to this. (laughs) Pay attention to Peter. He knows about this stuff. And he says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's, That's perspective right there. That's understanding that whatever God is allowing in all of this, it's, it's course correction. It is going to perfect me, that is, complete me. Mm-hmm. God is establishing and strengthening me and settling me in my faith. And so embracing that suffering because it is bringing us into a deeper walk with God. So when you talk about, you know, suffering well and suffering into strength, you know, these are two things. We, we got to anchor in on our, our belief that in the goodness of God, God is good. He's going to do what's right. We trust him. And secondly, We're going to accept any kind of correction God is bringing into our life. And correction is not always negative. Mm -hmm. Correction is sometimes, you know, we think of correction as like discipline, like, you know, uh, chastisement. But sometimes correction is, hey, you're doing great. But you know what? You can do better. Watch this. Or let me show you this. man. thank God that he does that. And he uses suffering in our life to do that. Well, I know we can't go any further today, so this may be one of those we have to come back tomorrow and finish this section. So tune in with us. Have a
1: blessed remainder of your day. We'll see you next time. (laughs) And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.